0: So that's interesting, because tonight our topic is the guidance of God. Wouldn't you agree it's an important topic? It's it's very important in our lives, and so uh, I don't think we can over-exaggerate that, how important divine guidance is. And I also believe that uh, this is one of the few subjects, On the practical side of the Christian life, that most of us as believers are more concerned about than anything else. Are we being led of the Lord in all of our ways? Now, first of all, let me put a disclaimer out here tonight. How many know that God gets blamed for a lot of things he had no part in? Amen? Okay. So... Are we really being led by God? And I think we'll agree that whenever it's time for us to make uh, any important decision, sometimes we are puzzled about, you know, how in the world am I going to know how to obtain the Lord's mind on whatever it is? Certainly there have been enough books and booklets written about this subject. And uh, and I want to say there are a dime a dozen, okay? And But the problem is, a lot of those that you're going to read are so vague, they offer a little help. And and I realize tonight, and, I, and I, I appreciate you being here, because one reason you come on Wednesday night, you're serious about your walk with God. And so, for us, it's important. We want to know, Lord, what do you want? In whatever situation it is. So we're, we're seeking that. And so we don't want some vague idea. Because when we seek God's will for our lives. We want a clear definitive treatment of that subject. What do we look for? Now I think you've been saved long enough. Are Christians ever guilty of using cliches? Amen. Yeah, right? And what good are cliches? Not much at all, okay? Not much because a lot of them are very vague, and uh, this doesn't help much at all. Now, again, uh, we hear phrases like, is this according to God's will? Uh, Do I have the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Am I being led of the Lord in whatever it is? And it's interesting, I believe that people who are sincere, sincerely wanting to know, realizing they're having a difficult time coming to any certainty on that subject. Now, first of all, let just kind of go back a little bit. Is this according to God's will? How do we know? We'll talk about that, okay? Do I have the prompting of the Holy Spirit? How do we know? Now, how many know sometimes the Holy Spirit's not involved at all? Isn't that true? So how do I know if that's true or not? Now, I'm not knocking these things, but how do we know if that's really going on in our life? Or were you led in the Lord of this? And, you know, we can all answer a positive or negative, however it might be. But how do we know what we are saying is for certain? And again, I don't, I'm not saying these are cliches and I'm not not knocking them. But we hear them so often used in Christian circles that we wonder, what's the deal here? What is going on? On here. Now, again, uh, I'm not condemning those things, but I think sometimes those phrases are just too intangible. We need something to hold on to. Something we know for sure. How can we know? So what's the alternative? We're going to talk about that tonight, okay? The alternative then, in connection with every decision we make, with every plan we come up with, with every action we want to execute, our question has to be, is what I'm doing in harmony with the Word of God? How important is that? Yeah. Because no matter what it is, if you're not in harmony with God's word, God's not leading you to do that. Some years ago, man, it's been a long time ago. Had a man came to my office one day, and <clears throat> he said, "Pastor, God is telling me to divorce my wife." I said, "No, He's not. No, He's not." He said, "You don't know what's going on. He said, that doesn't matter. God's not telling me that." My Bible said God hates divorce. He hates it. And you know, but I couldn't convince him. You know, he was being led of God. When he made a mess of his life. That's his own fault. And and I got to tell you, the sad thing is, uh, a lot of times when folks come to see the preacher, they don't want your advice. They want you to agree with what they're telling you to do. You know, and I'm not going to do that. God didn't tell him to do that. So what I'm about to, what, you know, if, if I'm saying, Lord, is this your will for my life? <clears throat> I have to find out what does the Bible say about this. This what I'm about to do. Can it line up with the rule of God's Word that we have to walk by? Is it in accord with the example that Christ left us to follow? That's the questions we have to ask. Now, if what we're wanting to do, if it's in harmony with God's Word, then it must be God's will. Amen? Now, think about that. I just got a verse in my mind, just a split second ago. Don't have it in our notes, but in Psalm 37, trust in the Lord. He will give you the delights of your heart. Now that doesn't mean He gives you what you wishes. That means He'll put those delights in your life. He'll give you what you ought to delight for. That's what He's talking about, okay? And so that's important to understand that. So if it's in harmony with God's word, it must be according to His will. For His will is revealed in His word if it's what the Scriptures, if I'm doing what the Bible teaches, then I must be prompted by the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of God will never move any of us to do anything contrary to God's Word. He simply won't do that. And if my behavior, my conduct lines up with God's rule of righteousness, if it lines up with his precepts, his principles, his commandments of the word, then I must be involved in being led by the Lord. Because my God only leads down paths of righteousness. Isn't that true? Psalm 23, 1 and verse 3, 2. Let's do both those verses. What's a shepherd do? Watch over and lead. Direct, right? Verse 3. Amen. So God leads us down paths of righteousness. So what I'm wanting to do, what I have, my plan is, does it line up with the word of God? Now, so I think what would help us a little bit, um, rather than asking, is this according to God's will? Uh, It's better to ask, is, is this according to God's word? Because if it's according to God's Word, it's according to His will. How many are glad for God's Word? Now think about that. What an amazing book. And every time I read through it, I'm amazed of how much more I learn. And I'm not talking about the facts. Facts are easy to learn. I'm amazed about how God begins to speak to my heart through the precepts, the principles of his word. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, in his transcendent grace, he has given us his word for the very purpose so we don't have to stumble along blindly. Amen. He's given us his word for that point. We don't have to be ignorant of what pleases God. The Bible tells us. We don't have to be ignorant of what displeases God. How do we know what displeases God? The Bible tells us. You know the story there of the Exodus when it got near to the promised land. God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to go to, you know, make two lists. And we're going to give one on one mountain and one on the other mountain. Uh, and one to be a blessing and one to be cursing. If you do this and you give a whole list, you'll be blessed. But if you do these things that go against God's word, guess what? You'll be cursed. So God in his infinite wisdom gives us his word to help guide our footsteps. And so we have no excuse if we're a Christian of being ignorant of what pleases God or what displeases him. Because the bottom line is, God gave us his word so that he might know, we might know his mind. What does God want? Now, remember, and you know, it's the best book you ever read. I mean, there are all kinds of stories in here. You want a love story? You'll find it in here. You want a war? You'll find it in here. But of of, uh, everything we find in God's word, the bottom line, it's a story about God. That's what it's about. That we might learn His mind, and He gave us His word that we can do that. Now, also understand, God's word wasn't given to us just for information. I remember as, as a young Christian, and uh, it took me a while to get into God's word, and I confess that. But I'd get in that in the word and begin to read it, if I'd never read before, and I called my preacher up, and I said, "Did you know the Bible says whatever it was?" He said, Yeah, I know that's oh, rats. You know, some time would go by and I'd find something else. I'd call him again. Did you know the Bible said whatever it is? And you know why I didn't know? I hadn't read it. It's there for everybody to read. But it's not there just for information. God gave us his word to regulate how we live. That's exactly why he gave gave us his word to enlighten our minds, but also to shape our hearts. That's the power of the word of God. Now, here's what's interesting. How many know life is always easy? That's a lie, isn't it, huh? It can be rough sometimes. It can be hard to navigate the difficult times of life. And yet the Bible, God's word, gives us... Uh, a solid chart, if you will, a standard, but that we can use to steer, if you will, through the dangerous sea of life. We've got the standard of God's Word. Now, again, um sad thing is, it's probably, uh, one of the most, well, it's still a bestseller. Isn't that true? It is. It has been for years. But I wonder how much is rest. You know, think about that. So, if we follow God's Word diligently, God's Word will direct us from dangerous rocks, the things that we don't expect or see, and God's Word will guide us safely in our walk in life. And I believe that God's Word has all the instructions we need for every problem, every emergency that we may have to face in life. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, and look why God gave his word to us. Look what it said, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 17. Thank you. He's given us His Word that we could be perfect. Maybe a better word might be complete. That we might have what we need so we can be thoroughly furnished for the good works God has called us to. Now, folks, we ought to be thankful that the triune God has blessed us with his word. He speaks to us through his word. Psalm 119, 105. What does that mean? Amen. Now certainly the psalmist is using a metaphor here. And can you see in your mind a man or a woman walking along a dangerous road <laughs> on a dark night? And what do they need? They need light. They need something to light their way. Why do they need a the light? Say what? Amen. You know they need to know where can I walk safely? Where can I walk comfortably? How can I avoid being injured? God's word is a light, a lamp to our feet. Peter kind of uses the same idea here in his his epistle second Peter one nineteen Thank you, Phyllis. Now, again, this is uh, not a difficult question. Who's writing this? Peter. And he was who? One of the disciples, okay. You remember the time when Christ was transfigured on the mountain? Who was one of the three that was there? Peter. And he had just spoken about seeing those things. And he shared you know, a little bit what he experienced because he was writing to some people. Even at that time, who weren't there, they didn't see what Peter saw. Now we know, as we take the scripture by faith and we read the account, and uh, especially Matthew, and I know Matthew and Mark got it, Luke may have, but I know those two do, and we know that Peter was telling the truth. But Peter says in verse 19, "We have something better than that, better than what I saw." He said we have a more sure word of prophecy. Think about that. So what's Peter saying about God's word? You can count on it. It's better than experience really, okay? Now I'm not taking taking away from what what Peter witnessed and what the disciples saw for three and a half years. It was wonderful. But Peter says we've got the word of God. And Peter says those who are being persecuted for their faith he said, you, you would do well to listen to it and use it as, notice is a light that shines where? In a dark place. And folks, I want to tell you something tonight. That dark place is this world. Isn't that true? That dark place is this world. It's only as we not only read, but take heed to the Word of God, as we give and take heed to the light that God has given us, that we're going to be able to perceive the pitfalls of life. And by the way, if people are not careful, if they don't use the light of God's Word, they're going to find themselves on a wide road. The least to what? Yeah, death and destruction. So we need God's Word to discern what God wants. And we need God's Word to find that nail road that leads to eternal life. So let me remind you. Now, <clears throat> I told you about my early on years of reading God's Word and how thrilled I was. But how many know God didn't give you His word to thrill you? Isn't that true? Not just that. He doesn't give us his word to mesmerize us. He doesn't give it to say, wow, wow, wow. You know. I think what we're seeing tonight, if we look at the scriptures correctly, God has given his word to us. That's what Peter saying here. That's what Psalm 119, 105 says as well. He's placed his word in our hands for practical purposes. Isn't that true? That we could use it every day in our lives. And especially to direct our walk and to control our behavior. God's word is very practical. So <clears throat> that's the very purpose, a very reason that we're to make use of this divine gift. There's a practical side of the word of God. Uh, Jason I need to refresh my memory. You got me a flashlight. You or two remember that? You don't remember it? Okay. What kind of light is that? Huh? Which one? Yeah. It's recharge. I think you got it through. Uh, any anyway, it's a really good light. I mean, it's it's got a. You can recharge it. It's not real big, but it's just it's just right. And if all I ever do is look at that light, say, man, this is a great light. <laughs> I mean, it's, look at this button. It's easy to turn off and on. Uh, I like it. It's a black. It's I like the color. I like the design of it. And if that's all I ever do that light, what good is it? Not much at all. Yeah, amen. It's, it needs to be used. So, again, I'm. It, it's a nice lamp, a nice light. But rather than just look at its beautiful design, the important part is to take it and make practical use of it. The same is true with God's Word. And again, a lot of folks read the Scriptures. Well, not too many, but some do. Okay, we'll go back on that a little bit. And there are some who are just, wow, they're they're wowed by God's Word. Um, some will talk about the evidence of divine authorship. But I wonder how many really realize the purpose of God's Word. What is the purpose of God's Word? How many really make practical use of God's Word, if you will, ordering the details of their lives according to the rules and regulations in the Word of God. So we have to be careful. Don't just praise the lamp. Walk by the light. Let that light lighten your path. Now it's interesting, uh, one of our first needs as little children was to learn to walk. Uh, Peter also mentioned to, de- to desire the sincere milk of the world that you might grow thereby. And uh, so milk was important to be nourished, to strengthen our limbs and that they could be put to practical use. And the same is true spiritually. We've been born again, and we're fed by the Spirit of God on the pure milk of God's Word. And our first need is to walk, but we need to learn to walk as children of God. Not as children of the world, but children of God. And the only way we can determine God's will is revealed in the Scriptures. What does God expect from me or from you? Now, also understand, and we have to get this first and foremost, by nature, our natural self, we are totally ignorant of God's will for us, and we're totally ignorant of what we need to promote our highest interest in our walk with God. We can't learn it on Our own. And so it's interesting is this. Do you realize that man, mankind, as far as I know, I can be corrected here, is the only creature born into this world. Devoid of intelligence on how to act, and who needs to be taught what is evil and what is good. Let that sink in. We're the only creature on earth we don't know on our own how to act. (laughs) For example, the lower orders of creation, they have instinct. Isn't that true? This instinct moves them to act in certain ways. Their instinct teaches them to avoid what's what's harmful and to do what's right as far as for their well-being. But not us. I forget where I read it. It's been about 20 years ago now, but I forget who made that quote. But he made a quote. He said, the human race I mean, even in a in a civilized nation like the United States, we are twenty years away from going back to being savages. What's he say that for? If we don't train them young people, right? If we don't teach them. And so animals and birds, they don't have to be taught which plants to eat, which berries are poisonous. Uh They don't need uh, restraint on eating or to overdrink. Even the plants will turn their leaves toward the sunlight. They don't need to be taught that. But fallen man has none of those instincts. Now, the problem is, <clears throat> well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to that school of hard knocks? Huh? And then, isn't that true how we learn a lot of things in life? What is harmful? What is painful? Somebody said experience keeps an expensive school. Her fees are high. And that's true. That's true. And the sad thing, there are so many that only discover that in life when it's too late, when they've wrecked their lives beyond repair, because they wouldn't run to God. Now, it's true, God has given us a conscience, we know that. But unless our conscience is enlightened by the Word of God, it will never serve us right it won't do that. Proverbs 22:15. Okay, again. We need to be taught. What little understanding we have has been so darkened by sin. In fact, from a child, we will not know what God wants of us, nor what is God's highest good for our lives. We'll never discover that on our own. And that's why that God gave us His Word. That's why he gave us the word that we can read his word. So he can make known to us what he rightly demands of us. That he can inform us of what is harmful to our lives. To show us some of the baits that Satan throws out there, the traps, to draw us away. But also... To point us to the highway of holiness. We've been preaching about holiness on Sunday morning. But also to show us how to live if we're going to walk that highway. God's word is very practical. And that's exactly how we come to discern whether or not we are doing the will of God. So the first goal of our lives as Christians is to search the scriptures and determine what is God's revealed will for us. What are the roads that God forbids us to walk down? And what are the paths that are pleasing to Him? Now remember, every child of God has one ultimate goal for our lives. That's in Romans chapter 8, to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Being conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And We also have to understand... There are a lot of things in the Word of God that our reason or our conscience would find out that they were wrong unless God's Word tells us. Now, I don't have the verse. Remember Romans 7? Paul said, I didn't know it was wrong to covet till what? Till God said, Thou shalt not covet, right? So God's Word reveals that. Some of the things we learn, Luke 16, and 15, look what it says. What's that verse say? What? Well, what we think is good or right, what does God say? It's an abomination. We don't see the things the way God sees things unless God's word shows us. James four four. Okay, thank you, Phyllis. I have to ask you a question. Would we know that unless God's Word told us? No. Now, hold on. But if God's Word tells us something, is it true? Yes. But we'd have never known that by our own conscience, our own understanding. Proverbs 19, verse 2. Wow. Be careful here now. Guard your step. If you hurry too much, it leads you to sin. There are a lot of things that are commanded in the Word of God that we can only know unless we find them in the Bible. Proverbs 3 5. Proverbs 3 5. What does that mean, Cheryl? Yeah. But will we know that unless God told us? No. You know why? I can handle that. I can trust myself. I can trust my own understanding, but God said, no, you can't. So we wouldn't know that except the Bible tells us. Another example of that is Psalm 146, verse 3. What? What did God say here? Yeah, why? They can't help you. They can't help you. Now, I want to tell you, I've got to remind myself of this because if I don't, i get too caught up in politics. I've got to remember, Democrats can't help me, Republicans can't help me, only God can help me. My trust is not to be in my government, it's got to be in my God. And I wouldn't know that except the Bible tells me that. Here's one. Loving your enemies, Matthew five forty four. That the whole verse? Okay. Love your enemies. Do good to them? Pray for them? Is that what we would do naturally? No! We wouldn't have their command if God didn't tell us to. Now, we just kind of not even scratch the surface. There are literally hundreds of examples. And also understand, there's no way the Bible can be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path unless we know it's in the book. We've got to be familiar with the Word of God. And especially when we learn from God's Word some of the practical rules that God has given us to walk this life day by day. (laughs) Now, and again, I I understand because I've been there and so have you. You know, a lot of time when a person first gets saved, uh, what book they usually want to read? Say it again, Why, Cheryl? Yeah, exactly. And how many know a new Christian has no business reading Revelation? But you know, the problem is, we we get so caught up into the mysteries of Scripture. We get so caught up in the prophecies and revelation and, and uh, the different types in the Bible. And There's nothing wrong with those. But we have to go more than that. We need to concentrate on God's Word, the part of God's Word that will teach us the kind of life that God wants us to live. That's going to be our priority. The kind of life that will be pleasing before the Lord. Now, again, I'm not saying there's wrong with those other things, but I think sometimes we're caught up in the wrong things. Because the, the bottom line is this. God gave us his word primarily not to gratify our intellect, not for emotional Admiration, but he gave us his word to live by, to walk by the practical side of God's word. But also understand God's word is not just an information book. Think about that. God's precepts, his commands, his warnings, The encouragements, that's not just for information. What does God want you to do with it? Amen. Put it into practice. Make it a part of your daily life. And they require being obedient to God's word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Thank you, Phyllis. Now, I like that last part of that, making my way prosperous and having good success. How many want that? Amen. Now, remember, God says this book of the law, don't let it part of your mouth. Meditate on it. Now, if all we look at are the different types in the Bible, metaphors in the Bible, whatever you want to talk about. And they're all there. And they can be exciting. But the idea here is this. If you want to prosper, if you want to be successful in your walk with God, you've got to do what the book says. It is a practical book. And that's exactly what God intended it to be. Psalm 19, verse 11 And keeping this what? Great reward. God is no man's debtor. When we keep his commandments, God says there is a great reward. What a God. Now part of that reward is deliverance from being deceived by false appearance of things. Part of that deliverance is being delivered from following wrong evaluations. Part of that reward is being kept from following foolish things in our life, and we learn that from the Word of God. Part of that reward is getting God's wisdom so we know how to act, so we Know how to follow those paths which lead to righteousness. Paths that lead to peace and joy in our lives. And i got to tell you, folks, to me it's amazing how God works, and it shouldn't be. You know, as you walk with God, you'll find that God is working in your life. He's changing your attitude. He's changing the way you think. He's changing your worldview. And he does it through as we read his word and assimilate that into our lives. And if we want to lay treasures in our hearts, it has to be God's divine word. And if we really want to please God, we really want to seek to walk by what God's word says. Lord, help me to be like you. And if we'll do that, Will will escape a lot of those evil things that destroy the lives of others. John 11, verse 9. Amen. Now, the idea here is to walk on the day. It means to be in communion with the one who is light. And who is light? God is light. In Him there is no darkness. It means we're living our lives according to the revealed will of God in the Word of God. And as long as we are following that path that's defined by the Word of God, we're going to walk surely, safely, and we're going to walk comfortably. Why? We're following God's Word. And the light of God's Word makes that plain. That that way, that path, very clear before us. And we are preserved from falling over the obstacles that Satan puts out there. And we're preserved, preserved from some of the difficult paths of life. John 11, verse 10. What a contrast. Did you ever get up in the middle of the night with no lights on your house? How quick do you walk? How fast do you walk? Why? Yes, you live there. You know everything is in there. You think you do, don't you? We think we do. So, what a contrast. The one who walks to our own, the own dictates of our hearts, those who follow the counsel and the example of the ungodly, folks understand, we're going to fall right into a snare of Satan. He will catch you. He will catch you. (laughs) And here's, I think, a good idea. Satan has nothing but darkness to offer. If we're going to walk in the light, we need to have our lives controlled by the Son of Righteousness. And Satan does not. John eight twelve. <clears throat> Thank you, Wayne. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, I'm the light of the world. If we follow him, he said, we'll not walk in darkness. But notice this. We shall have the light of life. Now, it's one thing to have life. But it's quite another to enjoy the light of life. Let that sink in. It's one thing to have life, but it's quite another thing to enjoy the light of life. And Jesus says, the only way you can have the light of life is by following the light giver. The one who is light. And again, it's written in a continuous sense, a steady, continuous course of action. And God gives a promise. If you do that, if you follow him, the promise is you will not walk in darkness. I'm very glad for God's word. So, what does it mean to follow Christ? I think the first thing we've got to do, if we're going to follow Him, we've got to empty our own lives of our self will. Romans 15, verse 3. So, Christ didn't live to please Himself, He simply didn't do it in fact Paul would write later on that he emptied himself he wasn't there to please himself and so if we're going to follow Christ it is absolutely necessary that self-will and self-pleasing be removed because we don't get rid of that we'll find ourselves walking in darkness rather than in light. Matthew 16:24, we're going to read it, make a couple of comments. And we're going to come back next week and kind of delve a little bit deeper in. Somebody read verse 24, please. Matthew 16. Okay. Question. Thank you for us reading that. Jesus gave a command here. Has that command changed? No. It's still going on today. And so I want to to leave you this, I so will come back next week go more deeper here. Christ cannot be followed until we empty ourselves of ourselves and accept the cross as a mark of discipleship. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let's stop there for tonight. Thank you for God's word.